Welcome back to this special edition of the Balanced Goalie Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Renthigpen. Excited as always to be here with you. Listen, I need you guys to really ride with me with this. This is going to be a phenomenal, exciting, and unexpected simulcast opportunity that we have coming up right now. You're about to tune in and be kind of a fly on the wall as I have the privilege and opportunity to interview my good friend and power couples, Jeannie and Ross Coomber. They are amazing human beings. The absolute definition of a power couple as I have defined it. For those of you who are unclear, maybe you're just coming to the Balance Bully podcast for the first time, you're not aware of the fact that I own a company, a global personal development company that serves power couples that are striving to live fully. Let me break this down for you real short and sweet. Power couples, although they can be celebrities and high profile, that is not the core characteristic that I define them by. That's not what we're looking at. I describe a power couple as two people with strong, what I call IPA, that's being influential in their chosen chosen industry or expertise. They're philanthropic, not just financially, but energetically. They're not afraid to roll up their sleeves and dive in. And let's put this in the parentheses, the final part of that IPA is they have to be strong advocates for causes that impact disproportionately affected groups of people. That's super important because power couples give back and they're not just giving, you know, from little extras, they're giving from a space of sacrifice and time, energy, and resources, which is super important. They also love each other. They are in it to win with their forever love. They believe not only in the potential of themselves, but the potential that they have together when they unite as a power couple. Right now, what you're about to listen into is Jeannie and Ross being interviewed for the very first ever. I am honored to hold this sacred space for them where they open up with integrity and vulnerability to share with you how their over two decades of marriage has ebbed and flowed from having a secret marriage. Yes, I said that. A secret wedding the first time and then waiting about three years before they opened up and had another one. Just tune in. You'll hear all the whys and what fours that came up for. And leaning into trust and understanding how important it was going to be for their marriage to survive really challenging circumstances if they didn't just trust each other, but start to trust the potential of themselves to be able to dive in and do more of the making room, not only for their forever lover, as I call the power couple opposite person, but also for their own dreams to stop playing small and allow someone else in without limiting your ability to be expansive. So everybody that's tuning in right now, and if you haven't shared this already with someone, make sure you hit the share button so people can tune in with you. You can grab some popcorn and dive in with us. Listen in. All right. You're on, Nikita. (laughs) I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you for carving out this time to be open and honest and allow people to see what a real power couple looks like. I appreciate you, Jeannie and Ross. So first question, how long were you dating before you got married? Ooh, 
Um, <laughs> be honest. I have a trick question. We met in London. Okay. And then Ross moved back to the U.S. with me. Um, and then we got married in 95. Yes, that was uh, less than two, less than yeah, two so years. Less than two years. Okay. So less than two years before Ross got turned out and then you decided to put a ring on it. <laughs> I like it. So how long have you guys been married uh, up to date today? 26 years in uh, July. But. Well, yes. Here we go. But so we got <laughs> married and only our immediate family. There's there might be some people watching this that are going to go, wait a second. They got married in 1998. We actually got married in 1995 because Ross had to reschool as a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. and we needed a green card and we needed the uh, funding for the school loans in order to facilitate that. So we got married in secret, put the rings away, told the rest of the world we got engaged. And then we got remarried in 1998. So the family got to come to the party. Yes. In 98, but they didn't get to play while you guys were having this secret love affair. How was that <laughs> for your intimacy behind the scenes? <laughs> well, our families were at the 95 marriage. Oh, they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. my uh, yeah, brothers and uh, parents. And uh, it was kind of nice. It was a more intimate occasion, what, what I would call it as the, the marriage. And then the wedding was in 98, which was the, and I think it made our, the wedding actually a lot more fun because Jeannie and I had already been married for three years um, without anybody knowing. So there wasn't the pressure as being like a, a new couple getting married for the first time. And so we were actually able to enjoy our wedding. And I don't think it was a coincidence that the, the family still says what a, what a fun wedding it was. And I, okay. I think that may, may, have, may have been the reason. But I think from having that experience with Jeannie and I having to go through hurdles from the beginning right. mm -hmm. helped us knowing that you know what we can go through and like I say we hadn't I made the decision to come back with Jeannie after you know we'd only dated for really about a year and um that in of itself was a, a wedding just making that decision to mm. relocate to a, another country yeah I mean you walked into a brand new relationship with some really serious heavy hitting questions for your future and how you guys were going to make that work. Did you feel like that made things easier from a bonding perspective? Cause now you're in uh, work crises together, trying to work together to make sure that things roll out in the way that you hope them to be, or did it put more strain on the earlier part of your relationship because of all those external issues that you didn't really have control over? It's an interesting question, actually. Hmm. I remember at the time, I mean, I'll answer the first part and sure. you answer the second, but I remember at the time I was very uh, focused on getting it done, mm -hmm. you know, no shocker that <laughs> I, I, I ran it almost like a project plan. Okay. We're going to move from the UK to the U S here's what I found out. Here's what's going to work. Here's what's not going to work. And then it got really serious because you have to go through immigration naturalization service you know, you get interviewed and I didn't dawn on me that I was the one that would have been lying mm -hmm. as the person marrying somebody from another country. And it didn't dawn on me until like the middle of the interviews. I'm like, oh, they're trying to figure out if I'm telling the truth. And that's really where I think it took our relationship to the next level because you realize this is this is really serious yeah. and it's going to open up a lot of doors for him to go back to reschool as a chiropractor. It's also going to bring a lot of 
strain because we had to live apart and all those other things, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it was very serious very quickly. And I was, you know, we were lucky. My parents were very much on board. They were really supportive. So were my brothers. And that made all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a huge difference. I think that was one of the things that made my parents feel more comfortable with the Mm. situation. Cause I, I don't know if I really ever realized how tough it was for them to let their son move away. Um, but I think the fact that they'd met Genia's parents and kind of knew what situation I was going into, that made it a little bit more comfortable for them. And I think it definitely made it easier for me. And as, as Jeannie says, they, they couldn't have been more su- supportive of us. And I think it was probably easier for me as well because I was coming into a new situation and then I was going to go to chiropractic school. So when I went to chiropractic school at the beginning of 96, like a, a year later, that was a whole new adventure for me as well. And I kind of then got to, I wasn't living as much vicariously through Jeannie and her family. Now I could create my own identity mm-hmm. in another country, but it was tougher for Jeannie because now she was back in her old firm and doing her thing and trying to pay the bills and this, that, and the other. And I was kind of on this adventure and academics, et cetera. And uh, for Jeannie, it was uh, tougher as well. So it was a, uh, it was definitely a tough experience to go to. Did it make our relationship stronger? I think it made us realize that we could solve a lot of different things mm. together when we could work together. And you kind of get over that. It'll be all right when. You realize that the when never actually comes because there's always something else that you have to get. Oh, it'll be all right when you go to college. Oh, it'll be all right mm-hmm. when you graduate. Oh, it'll be all right when you get a job. But right. there's, there's always something that you're striving towards. Like, okay, the, the when isn't never going to be there we'll just deal with things as they come along you know it's so yeah no I love it um I'm trying not to go ahead Jeannie well what what I was thinking is is when he just described that like we had no money Nikita it was I was taken from Mm. Paul and there was many many times that I had like a hundred dollars left in the checking account and I often would worry like how are we going to do this how are we going to get through next month and then obviously psychologically you know ross was an osteopath in practice for six years in the uk before we came here and to have all of that taken away from you all that identity and to start over as if none of that mattered i know psychologically it was it was difficult but ross stepped into this academic world where he thrives and i was thinking oh my god how are we going to do this how are we going to have enough and I remember you got like a teaching assistant position where he earned some money and I cried. I'm like, oh, you, you're earning some money. And it was amazing. I'm like, we don't, we were going to be okay. I just, it was so, uh, it was so difficult. So, yeah. so difficult, but just talking about it and really being a team. And I think that was a real differential for our relationship is Mm-hmm. We do, we are a team. We do things together. We talk about things together. It's never, it's never been perfect, but we certainly have that mentality. Yeah, no, I love that. You were reading my mind for where I was going in terms of how this impacted you financially, because we know one of the number one reasons that marriages don't make it is because of finances, right? Like there's financial communication issues, actual financial issues. There's just not enough in the bucket mm. to, to pay for the constant leaks in the roof, right? Like all the things that happen. And you guys were 
navigating that really tough storm and I dare say hurricane that followed it um, when, once you moved over here in the U.S. and tried to, to start a new slate and to get things going. Because one of the other issues that impacts a lot of our power couples is losing your identity and feeling like you have to dim mm -hmm. your ambition to make the other one have space and grow. And you guys started your relationship with Ross having to walk away from an idea. You didn't lose it necessarily, but you had to choose to start a new one and figure out what that was going to look like on mm. all levels. Did you guys have kids yet when, when you were doing this or you waited a little bit before you had kids? Yeah, I, we didn't have our first order till I was 35. And so mm -hmm. we got married in 95, I was 26. And then the, the big marriage, I was 29. Mm -hmm. So we waited till Ross was out okay. of chiropractic school. And yeah, that, that was one thing that we sort of had decided on. It was somewhere not a necessarily conscious but it was pretty conscious that we wanted to wait until we had kind of the dust dust had settled etc and uh, I think that was a, a good decision and what I was just going to go back to what we were talking about before was I think a lot of the, the foundation of this and the teamwork and etc was based on trust I think there was a lot of trust in our mm -hmm. each other and and our own potential for me personally as, as Jeannie alluded to me going to chiropractic school was not only academically um, very important to me, and I was I was very academically successful as well. I, I, I did kind of I do kind of thrive in that environment, but more personally, it, it gave me not only a sense of identity, but it gave me a lot more self confidence because now being a mm -hmm. in practice in England when I came into this college, a chiropractic school. I became almost like a conduit between the the academics and the you know the teachers and the the student body, and so I was sort of looked up to a certain extent by the student mm -hmm. body because I've been in practice and I've done it before, so I could help them out. But then the faculty lent on me a little bit as well because I, I always tended to know I had an ability, but I always sort of tended to lack yeah confidence, and that helped me. And then also you know Jeannie and her family helped uh, in that in that regard as well and that's where the, the trust not only in each other but the you know, trust in her family was so important for our uh, development early on to knowing that you know it's going to be it's going to be okay mm. yeah no I love that so I'm glad that you brought up a, an attribute a characteristic I was trying to think of the phrasing like confidence so Jeannie I have to ask you what are three things that you adore about Ross um He's really cute. Yes, he's he is. Very, he's, very, he's very funny, like mm -hmm. wickedly funny. And he he is very helpful to process with because we are very different. We see the world very differently. We operate very differently. Ross is laid back in a lot of ways, unless it's about stacking the dishwasher. And he 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 counters my big energy and my big sense of accomplishment. I have this sort of everything to me is like great idea, let's go for it. I have executionitis. Mm -hmm. So he he anchors me through a lot of that. Mm, I love it. Sexy. Ross, I'm throwing the ball back to you. What do you love most? Like the top three things about Jeannie? You should look at me when you say this, by the way. Oh okay. <laughs> I am looking at you. I know I look back at I think in with Jeannie, it, it's it's so it's so interesting because she's such a um, 
contradictory in 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 some ways her mm. sort of senses. So I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily answering the question right off the bat. And I think a lot of it is what how Jeannie projects herself is so interesting. Between encounter between the the Jeannie that I I see, so Jeannie projects and she is very confident, and her willingness to push push the envelope is amazing. Like she's always pushing forward and developing like this the whole podcast and this platform that she's developing um but then on the other hand she could be more um not 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 insecure that's not quite fair but you know lack confidence in certain things and I think we all tend to have that a little bit yeah. that, that yin and yang mm-hmm. um so I think let's say the her enthusiasm is uh one thing that's very uh attractive she yeah. she also she also laughs at me which is which is all my jokes anyway which is always uh nice she's obviously she's... very obviously very attractive as well so that, <laughs> that that that's a bonus that definitely helps because i know you're you're what are you guys sitting down right now so they yeah. can't see the body that is Jeannie Kumar, okay? Like, they can't see that right now, but she does have a body. Okay. Um, no, that's really helpful. So I have to ask now, and I'm going to flip it. What's one thing that, dri- just one, that drives you nuts about your forever lover? So Jeannie, this applies to you for Ross. Ross, this applies to you for Jeannie. And how are you resolving it? Hmm. So stacking the dishwasher won't count here. <laughs> uh well i i think the thing that we talk about probably most often is he has a fixed way of doing things okay and we'll we'll make things in my mind a really big deal that are not so mm-hmm. it, it it is a constant part of our conversation where i'm like well, what's the big deal that that to me isn't important like what about all this other stuff and that nope and they'll get fixated on it. So what do you do to resolve it with him? I try to understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And I don't get angry about it anymore. I just am like, okay. Okay. I just, I listen. And then if I can modify it, I'm not always great at that too. I'll forget. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So that would be my, that would be my thing. Is that she just doesn't seem like she's listening to me. Um, I can tune out, which is bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, an an issue that a lot of parents have. We compartmentalize so much because we have to drown out the the difference between when our kids are like actually whining because they need something versus when they're whining because they want something. And since they're usually whining so much in the background, we drown out everyone. Mm. Um, and that's not just for moms, that's for parents in general, but moms do seem to do it more. Uh, than not. So you can blame that on motherhood. Okay. Thank more you. than anything. <laughs> Good to know, right? Uh, so that brings me to this space of seeing, hearing, appreciating, validating, edifying, and desiring each other, which is a huge thing that has to always be a focus. It's like one big umbrella of things that have to happen almost daily for power couples to really thrive and live fully, like live the full life they want. And we get entangled, not 
not Will Smith and Jada Pinkett entangled, but we get entangled Mm. in that at times when we're not seeing each other consistently. Of course, you're going to have moments like I'm busy, I'm focused, I'm blowing out a fire right now. I can't see you and hear you and appreciate you because something really big has my attention. But that should be the exception, not the rule. So often we have to look at each other and realize where are we making space for our intimacy, our daily intimacy. So I would love to take a minute to talk to you guys about intimacy blocks and like really dig in how you're dealing with them. So one of the intimacy blocks that comes up for many of our power couples is when one, sometimes both people, but usually one person feels like intimacy is just understood. Like we're going to be physically intimate because we're married and that's just what it is. And we're, we're going to make sure that we have room for each other, period. But then you don't actually have space on your calendar because of all the fires and all the things that you're both doing in your independent businesses. And as you're scaling and impacting the world, you may not actually do it. So how does that intimacy block show up for you? Do you find yourself saying like, well, Tuesday and Thursdays are our night to cuddle or, you know, if it happens, it happens. And before you look back, six months have gone by. Like what comes up for you guys when it comes to the emotional and the physical intimacy that really glues couples together? Do those blocks arise for you anymore? Or is that a a yesterday's issue? Like when you were younger? All right, you go first. Um, I think in the bigger picture, I think what we've doing or try try to do is certainly be conscious of that in our in our minds to be aware of it. And we definitely, you know, kind of either go apart or kind of on, on parallel tracks, um yeah. as opposed to actually sort of coming coming together. But I think we now have an awareness, and this I think was brought up, you know, with us like seven, eight, nine years ago, whatever, of um therapy and sort of self-improvement and we could get to that in a in a little bit as well if you want mm-hmm. uh, of just being aware of ourselves of working on ourselves personally and then that in of itself then makes the other person more attractive in you so if you if you sort of seem like you're kind of just floating along and not not really uh working on yourself that in of itself isn't necessarily attractive so i think that's one of the foundations that we that we had and then i think just on a, a daily basis or you know sort of weekly or a few days you know i'm definitely sort of trying to check in with each other sort of mm. see you know whether genie is like spending time watching a show with one of our daughters i mean that's important mm-hmm. as well and i really you know i realize that's important so that's fine but you know genie and i will try and you know through this pandemic like a lot i'm sure a lot of couples have done yeah try and find shows that we can watch together even if it's just you know sitting on the the couch together and having that having that time and then having you know dinner together maybe when the girls are out dancing and trying to trying to catch up you know how I would answer it it it's very similar to what Ross was saying I think it's it's the awareness that we're not alone we are in a relationship and each day you may have different needs but to name wherever you are and so that was like, that's something that I have a lot of consciousness to, to what Ross was talking about when we, we were not in a good place and we were yeah. very, very mentally and physically, emotionally separate mm-hmm. that that was like a big takeaway is like, 
there's a lot of signs when that stuff starts to happen is how are you naming it for what it is and recognizing that everything stems from our relationship with the family unit, all of our success, everything goes right back to how are we being for each other in this relationship. And the small thing, when I think of intimate, I mean, beyond the obvious, right? it's, I ask Ross deeper questions like I do with clients. And I try to really listen to what he's saying, not just like, Hey, how was your day? Which we do just do that, which they get, it was good. It was busy. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than giving the, the little sound bites, it's getting into what, what's the texture? What, what, what happened? Like, yeah. how are you feeling? What are you thinking about? Um, what about this? What about that? And talking about things that are not just like kid related, but like life related. Hey, I'm really worried about this. And I'm, I'm an Olympic level worrier. (laughs) I can worry for everybody and I can strategize. I'll spend many, many nights worrying. So sometimes I'll just say, yeah, I'm on a little bit of a worry train right now. And what Mm -hmm. does it mean? And then I'll ask him some questions. So that to me has been really pivotal for Mm -hmm. our growth to make sure we're doing that. Cause it's, it's easy to just start getting disconnected and going back into your own patterns of being. And I can self-develop all day long. I got enough books to last mm-hmm. 10 more years and I can be silent meditations and all that stuff, but that's not including the partner that I chose to be with. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You know, to Ross's point of really making sure you are personally <clears throat> growing and having your personal development down so that you can have room for your lover is really important. And Jeannie, to your point of really making sure that when that room is there, you know what to do in it, right? Like a lot of people have time to cop a squat on the couch and wiggle their toes together, but they're on opposite sides of the couch. They're not actually watching the same things. Someone's watching a TV, someone's you know, not actually doing anything except for letting the TV watch them be enraged because they wish they were using the time a little bit differently. So for your point of not just allowing those soundbite moments to happen for the sake of saying, oh, we just talked yesterday. I asked you how you were doing. You were said, fine, I love it alone. What do you want from me? I'm not a mind reader, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes you are going to have to give that space. You know, when you see that your lover is in a space, my husband doesn't like to say when I point out and I'll say, are you in a mood? He's like, don't say that. It's really dismissive of all the things that could really be going on internally. Um, Mood is just a a quick way of asking, but he's right. Saying, are you in a mood makes a subjective, you know, observation of what you think is happening. And now that person is going to give you what you're looking for. Oh, Mm -hmm. you want me to be in a mood? That's that's what you're looking for, right? (laughs) You know, of having that. Good point. Yeah, And I think, I think as well with that, one of, one of the big points for me, in our relationship was you know for for genie benefit really but it was more more from my benefit was to kind of show up stronger so now that may just manifest itself as doing something without being asked yeah because then that's me being aware of what she so if she comes down and you know i've taken the dog out and you know it's 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 little things like that that kind of i think can really help somebody particularly i know how busy genius and you know, I'm not I'm not great at it but you know sometimes doing those things just off the off the cuff is I I think helpful and yeah. you know likewise it's you know her 
un understanding some of the things that I need or, or good for me to do. And, you know, she's okay to kind of let me go and watch a soccer match or something. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's appreciating that as well and not just taking it for granted. I think that's, that's the, that's the, bigger heart that we sort of started to have a, a, a few years ago when we were kind of having more struggles but the, the benefit we had then was going right back to the beginning because of what we'd gone through when I first came here our marriage just, you know was going on parallel paths mm -hmm. and we were kind of focused on the, the the children more than ourselves and but we had that kind of basis that we still at least respected each other mm. and we still liked each other we just realized that we weren't happy with each other but the the reality was is that we weren't really happy with ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we <clears throat> until we started developing ourselves i suddenly realized hey i'm making myself more attractive to genie but it was really more about pointing the finger at myself saying rather than why aren't you making me happy right it's, it's not, <clears throat> that's, that's not genie's job to make to make me happy it's my job to make me happy Amen. You know, Jeannie knows me well. I'm about to break out the maracas. I'm trying not to touch them. I, I shake them when someone hits like a pivotal moment. You just went over at least three other intimacy blocks. Like you just hit them with the nail right on the head, blaming each other, not appreciating, using the children as buffers by spending so much of your energy with your kids and your careers and businesses that you have nothing left for the other person except for pointing a finger at what they're not doing and you know you're therefore not validating the things that they are doing like taking initiatives to walk the dog to bring you a cup of tea when they know you're in the office a long time even keeping your body right right like keeping your body healthy and as you know beautiful as you like it to be regardless of the shape and size and cultural belief of what bodies look good being for you, you making sure that you do that for yourself first, and also for your forever love that fell in love with you and all that goodness. Those little moments show that you care, that you hear them, that you appreciate, and it's your way of edifying. You don't have to look like you were when you were 22, when you met, but just making sure that you stay as healthy as you can, because the reality is we're in it till death do us part. I'm not trying to bury you. <laughs> right? Like, you know, and I'm sure you're in a space with each other where you want to edify each other, not only physically, but mentally and spiritually and make sure you have that space. Some of that space is going to come from things like giving yourself permission to pause and having, you know, Ross, I'll pick on your example of watching a soccer match, like having that time. I know Jeannie from so many of our sister circle conversations is like, I just was laying on the floor with my feet up on the wall, right? Like that position yep. you do to yep. let the blow flow, blood flow, or you just came from a run near the beach or whatever it is that you're doing for your self-love and self-care allows you to show up better in your relationship because you are partners, whether in business or not, you're in part your partners in a beautiful experience of creating a legacy that your daughters are watching. They're going to watch and model more of what they see than what they hear from you. And that's just the reality. So I love that you guys are doing that. So I have a fun question to ask. Ross, yes. the world is different. We're in a brand new era for whatever reason, and it's not about lack, it just is what it is, Jeannie is forced to wear the same outfit head to toe for <laughs> six months straight. Oh and you have to pick it out. 
every piece. Oh God! Describe what she wears. <laughs> Six months straight. It's clean. It's it's like like she has a thousand versions of the same pieces. So it's not like she has to keep washing or any of that. What's the outfit that you get to see her in for six months straight? I I I'll keep it I'll keep it simple. I, I love it. She she wears these uh and this time of year as well. These summer dresses that really I like. You know, it's kind of traditional. My my uh, father was uh very pretty old. He was forty eight, forty nine when when I was born. So he was very much a traditionalist. He was born in nineteen seventeen. So he always showed up in a jacket and a tie. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of a little bit traditional in that kind of sense. Is that when Jeannie wears a summer dress, it's kind of it's flowing, it's light, um, it's sensual. I think as the, the, it, it lends itself to sort of from that the female sen- sensuality as you know sexuality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that would that would be uh, that would be it. I mean, it's one thing to look forward to in the the summer when she kind of breaks out the uh, the dresses because they they look kind of formal, but they're also casual as well. Mm-hmm. And to go shopping, I guess, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get a bunch of dresses. Yeah. Well, I'm seeing. So Ross was so polite with how he described you in this flowy spring and summer dress. I know it's about your legs and he's, he's just not saying that, but I know that that's what that's about. He's like, show the arms, show the legs. They don't know, but I know what's going up, up and down the rest of that body. And it's exciting. So I love that. (laughs) I love that Ross. Jeannie, what about you? What would you like to see him in for six months straight? Suit. Suit. He has a, a new suit he got. I don't know, a couple of years ago, that's like very form fitting. Ross has like a runner's oh, yeah. body. He's very, very fit. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. So this is all about the imagination of what's underneath of that, that no one else can have. Cause they see him <laughs> suited up and looking elegant and handsome. And you're like, mm-hmm, until that jacket <laughs> come off. I like it. I see where y'all going. I see how y'all trying to be modest. All right. So rec- recreational intimacy is another huge part of intimacy. Like people think of emotional and physical intimacy. They might even think about the work and crisis intimacies that we were talking about, like bonding mm-hmm. together when there's a, a fight to be fought and really being able to come together and tackle that head on, like what you guys had to tackle with all the the green card challenges that you had to maneuver in the maneuver through in the beginning of your relationship you also had to maneuver through what ross alluded to in the earlier part of your marriage of really getting clear with what you wanted with each other Mm -hmm. and you know i don't hear you and see you and appreciate you in the way that i should because i'm feeling a little bit lost and i have to come to grips so i know you guys had gone through some therapy for that for a little while before we get into the play part of the intimacy do you want to share a little bit about why you chose to make that move versus just saying, I'm done. I'm out of here. It's over. Um, I guess I'll start. It, it, it started because I, I fell into a depression. It was mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. I just was very numb. It was uh, about a year, I guess, after our second daughter was born. I just felt numb. I, I couldn't feel anything anymore. And obviously, I was very um, isol- I was isolating and mm-hmm. just wanting to be by myself a lot. So I started with a a great therapist and it was through those discussions that she saw, okay, we need to work with both of you. And she put us into uh, a weekend of Imago therapy, Mm -hmm. which was one of, it was transformative, but it was one of the hardest things I've 
ever done in my whole life. I had headaches, backaches. My body just started to reject because I knew how hard the work was going to be. And it really uh, surfaces all the stuff that you've been taught and conditioned into your, your whole upbringing. And I, I knew firsthand any of my dysfunctions from my family upbringing, but I just compartmentalized it. And this was like, you, you're looking at it all. But mm-hmm. what I learned <clears throat> in through that weekend is it takes you right back to the beginning. Why did you get connected in the first place? And then it helps, helps you rebuild the infrastructure and you got to do the work. Um, on some level, I think separating would have been easier. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to do the work. It's harder to stay in. It's harder to look at yourself. And um, there was one point with the therapist where I was like, I think we should just separate and maybe see what it's like to be apart. And she said, no, that won't work. You won't come back. Mm -hmm. You'll start focusing on the next thing and you'll not learn anything through this experience. Yeah. Um, So she, she was she was pivotal. And so she not only pulled me out of a depression, she helped us work back together as a unit. And I think we're, by the way, we're one of the examples that she makes reference to. She doesn't say our name, mm-hmm. but she makes reference to, um, and, and she was the right person. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. She was the right person. She was very similar to my mom. My mom was an LCSW. Mm-hmm. She had a very similar energy. She was a registered nurse. She also has a very deep spiritual practice. Yeah. And she had a lot of modalities in her repertoire. So she knew, okay, we're going to play with some EMDR. Mm-hmm. We do the Imago piece. Okay, so let's do some visualization. Let's do some of this. And she was no nonsense. Yeah. So she wasn't um, challenged by a good response or, you know, positioning answer. She was not buying any of that. She was mm-hmm. getting right into it. And she was fun and loving and compassionate. Um, and I think that was what made it successful. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 would, I would agree pretty much with all of that. I think the Imago itself was the springboard yeah. for everything. It wasn't really, you know, they have all these exercises that you can do afterwards and this, that, and the other. And I think she said, you know, nobody ever does those. <laughs> but the, the what it made us realize, it kind of took us back, both of us, to where we'd come from. And we realized that we weren't actually that, different i think both of us you know had had both had great parents and uh, et cetera et cetera but you know we were lacking something mm-hmm. we weren't maybe didn't get some things but we even though we came from sort of similar backgrounds in some ways we dealt with it in different ways it, it gave us the ch- opportunity to see how we dealt with things genie would tend to be more of a sort of solver and isolate whereas yeah. i need, i needed more intimacy i needed more kind of um um loving if you want or more you know, more you know emotion it's almost like it's interesting Jeannie and I with our relationship in general it's almost like we're we're opposites that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 almost more the female in the in the in the room and Jeannie's almost more like the the male so when we came out of the Nikita's not surprised yeah when, when we, no <laughs> exactly so when we came out of that imago and then we sort of started with the 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 therapist she kind of saw I'm not I'm certainly not putting this all on Jeannie but saw, saw through Jeannie's kind of barriers and the, all the layers and the onion when she she was able to kind of cut cut through it mm-hmm. but it also helped me 
realize what I needed to do because I, I needed to basically show up stronger yeah. in a relationship. That's what one of the things that Jeannie was looking for. And I was looking for Jeannie to be more open. Mm-hmm. And that's what Margot was like, you know, I was the, what was it? I was the, I was, octopus. I was the octopus and mm-hmm. she, she was the uh, turtle. T- turtle. So she'd go into a shell and, and, shell. I, and I was kind of like trying to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it didn't really take that much of a, a shift to actually, you know, get where, get where we are. Um, but at the time, yeah, Jeannie was definitely, you know, she was, uh, you know, going visiting friends and this, that, and the other. And, and I was like trying to find out where she was. And that was irritating her because like, I was sort of following her. Now it's kind of like, she's like, oh, should, should I go out and see my friends? Do you mind? They, oh, no, I don't care. Go, yeah. So it's kind of, kind of switch, it switched around a lot in that, um, in that regard. It was one of the things I was going to say, and I can't remember what it was now. It'll come to you. It'll come to me. It'll come to you. I mean, what's really helpful in that too is smothering is another intimacy block that makes people feel, you know, regardless of whether or not they're more predominantly masculine energy or feminine, we all have both masculine and feminine energy, but even if they show and show up fully in more one than the other, if any of the people that they're connected to, their siblings, their parents, their children are smothering it creates an intimacy block, right? Because, mm. you know, there's parental intimacy, leadership intimacy, like there's all those other elements that aren't just for us lovers, right? That get the full spectrum benefits of all the other parts of the intimacy. It shows up in other areas if you feel like you're smothered because people like you who are entrepreneurs by root, regardless of the title that you carry, you if you don't work, you don't eat, right? Like you create everything that's coming into your storehouse for your family, for your legacy, and for all the impact and transformation that you're creating with the nonprofit work you do and all the other kind of layers of yourself. That mind of an entrepreneur is very different than so many other people's because we're not driven by money, although money matters. We're driven by freedom and flexibility. So feeling smothered by any key relationship makes us pull back. We all become turtles in that. Mm-hmm. Even you for like that example that you used with Imago therapy with you being the octopus at that time while you were doing your own personal and self-development growth and work. If Jeannie would have turned around in her turtle self and became octopus, you would have been like, what is happening? That is my role back up, right? Like, yeah, don't don't true. smother me, right? <laughs> we don't want that. It happens all the time. So it's really good that you were vulnerable enough, which is a strength, a true strength to be vulnerable enough and open to say, I need help. I need support as a couple, as well as as individuals, because you didn't want to dim your own light and your ambition and you wanted room to create your new identity. Because even though Jeannie wasn't leaving an industry or practice at the earlier part of your relationship, she was now leaving being single to being married, to being married in secret Right before she could be fully married out loud and have all the shackles off. There was a lot of things that you guys had to navigate. And I give you kudos and I honor you for being willing to do it because it is harder, Jeannie, to your point, to stay together and push through than Mm -hmm. it is to be like, you know what? I'm over it. I'm good. And there's nothing wrong with making that choice if you are in a toxic relationship. I commend you in advance for doing so. If that's what's happening, that wasn't necessarily your truth. Right. You were you were definitely dealing with some really serious difficulties and you got vulnerable and strong enough 
to say, let me get some guidance and let me get some support, which is why you're here now. What is this? 26, 28, 26 years, 26 years later. Mm. I love it. I love it. Okay. Back to a play question. Here we go. Cause I know we're coming to a close. How do you choose your recreational intimacy, which is how you play together? What do you choose to do when you're playing? And I'm not necessarily talking about the bedroom, although we can go there, but just in general, how do you play together? Hmm. Uh, I'll I'll throw out a couple of examples. We just did a 20 week run club together. Um, Ross is a lot more advanced in terms of running than I am, but we did do that together. And that required that we, we trained hard, really hard. Um, And then the other thing is we're very good. I guess this falls into the recreation bucket of like Mm -hmm. hosting things, events and, um, we have, we have the opportunity to have friends over for Memorial Day. That's the first time we're going to be able to do something like that. And we're really good at co-doing that. So that, to me, is the recreational side. Yeah, sharing your love with other people. Yeah. Obviously, Yvette. Yeah, we, we, we have a great social network. It's not huge, but it, it's a decent size. And being in a social a community town like Ocean Grove is, where you're very close, you're very... Yeah literally int- intimate with your neighbors it, uh, it makes that very yeah because we, we can walk to each other's houses so it's not like get into a car and this then the other it's actually it's much more organic to have sort of relationships here and I think to Jeannie's point you know the running club we go to the gym together pretty often mm-hmm. and then we haven't done it this year but last year we started playing some oh tennis te- tennis yeah together and I just that point I was going to remember, and I just I, I'm kind of going out of order here. But one thing that you you pointed out, Nikita, which is what I was going to say, is that after we went through all of this, and kind of came out of it, you sort of realised that you basically, as a couple, you have three options: you either do something about it if you have a, if you realise there's issues in your marriage, you divorce, you know, you separate, or you settle. And yeah. I think, and I think yeah. when I think when we came out of it, it almost like drew the curtain aside. We started looking at other relationships and marriages that we thought were all fine and dandy and suddenly you sort of realize wait a minute you you kind of sort of start seeing that things aren't quite as uh mm-hmm. as you thought because that's what we thought we thought our marriage was great we thought we yeah, everything was fine and then you sort of suddenly realize yeah we're, we're actually not fine and then we kind of came out the other side because we did push through like you said but it's the ones that settle that's mm-hmm. the it's it's kind of sad to to see that but it's like soul crushing yeah you're watching someone just or a couple just stay in a very confined mm-hmm. unhappy place for the for the sake of fill in the blank for right. the sake mm-hmm. of fill in the blank like that i i feel sad i don't, don't judge i feel sad mm-hmm. um about that that's a great point by the way no, I love it. And it's a perfect segue to my final question. So a lot of the power couples that I work with through our company are really happy on paper, right? Like they handle the business, the, all the work crisis intimacy, like all those things that they can do together. They pay the bills, they make sure the kids go to college, they support the external families, all of that. But they've also spent so much of their energy creating this wild success in their careers and their business that they haven't necessarily had space to prioritize their marriage and this leg of their marriage, right? So when you're five years in, 
you know, you don't know no better, right? You you think that you're going to always have sex at any time of the day you want. You don't think there's ever going to be any challenges. You're looking for the next creative, curious adventure. And then life kicks in, storms hit, hurricanes come, a few interval moments of where you feel like there's some peace. And then here comes the tornado that really shows you this is not what they show on Instagram. Hashtag no relationship goals right here, right? You realize it's very different than the movies we grew up watching and, you know, everything's hunky-dory minus this one little tiny, you know, insignificant issue. And because of that, they're now ready to create joy in their marriage to sit with the same focus and rigor that they put into their careers and maybe even into their children and the other parts of their life. The missing component for many of them is that they are torn with, do I have to choose my lover and us having this this time together to create this better marriage while still growing our careers and our businesses and creating the impact and then lose myself in the process? Or can I have both? Can I still have my own identity, be who I am, be strong and unapologetic and confident and simultaneously insecure with whatever it is that I'm working on? and still make space to for my marriage, like really to create that joy in my relationship. What do you say to power couples like yourself who have gone through the ebbs and flows and are in a space now where you feel like I can have it all? I'm also really clear on what all means for me. It's very different than when I was in the first five to eight years of my marriage. For those that are listening to you right now and like, Ooh, I don't know. I think it's just going to look like this. Like we're pretty happy. There's no toxicity. We don't hate each other. It's good. We're just going to keep going. But you know that there's more out there for you, more for you to create together and more for you to accomplish. What do you say to them? I think a, a question comes to mind. Have you discussed what your hopes and dreams are? Mm. Have you talked about what you're working towards, what you want your life to be. Um, I think what happens is we, we all get guilty of this. We just put our head down and we move from thing to thing. Yeah. We pick our head up and, oh my God, a year has passed or 10 years have passed. So when was the last time you brought something like that up? Like what, what are your biggest desires? What is it you want to create in the world? And what are you doing every day to move you towards that? And, how are we doing it together? That would be my thought. I love it. Yeah, and, I, and I think on the, the, the other side of the coin with that is when are you satisfied? Mm. When, are you, mm. when, are you, when, are you, when are you okay with what is something? So that was for me, for my, my practice, you know, as you've said before, you know, Jeannie is kind of like a, a pusher in a good way. I mean, like I am where I am because of, largely because of her but I kind of knew the pr- kind of practice that I wanted to have. Mm. And I wanted to have a intimate practice, chiropractic, where it was, it was just me. So, you know, in the first few years or so, Jeannie was like, oh, you know, are you going to get another chiropractor to come in and this, that, and the other. And I was like, no, no, I just want to kind of keep it, keep it small. And like Jeannie's sort of thinking big, like she was sort of saying before, and I'm kind of, I want to kind of keep it a, smaller. But what that enabled me, maybe luck more luck than judgment but it enabled me to stay true to myself but it's also enabled me to have the um availability and independence to be able to one help genie out mm-hmm. help out the whole family so now you know I'm more present for the girls able to do things so we then we're, we're kind of more balanced as a as a unit and again balance is really a lot of the the, the, the theme here whether it's 
all those different blocks that you said yeah but then kind of creating enough independence around it that you can that you have the, the time and an ability to do it as opposed to just being you know stuck in this one function like even you know today i had the flexibility to move my daughter's dental appointment to tomorrow afternoon which frees up time to do something else and this that, and the other and i wouldn't be able to do that if i had a different kind of business yeah. model so sometimes you need to look at the model that you have and it, is it going to give you the ability to do what you want to be able to do mm. and so when when are you again when are you satisfied that sometimes with Jeannie kind of ask her that question because it's always kind of getting bigger and bigger but you know she's always looking to improve and etc cetera, etc cetera. so I all I can do is try and be as supportive as supportive and trusting as I can uh, I love that you guys said that I was trying to get you to be the first person if this was a game like who would say the word balance first because I didn't want to be the <laughs> one <laughs> Um, since I'm a balance and relationship advisor, I'm always very biased to the fact that balance is so important. And both of you have defined it between the, the way that you both shared in that last question, what balance really is. Admitting the truth of what you really truly want over creating those boundaries to help you achieve that truth. And you both said that so eloquently in the way you described it, you know, talking to the power couples, what do you really want? And Ross is like, and where are the boundaries that you're creating to go get it? Because one of those boundary questions is, are you satisfied with what you have? What are, that's an expectation boundary that comes up for many couples that are in that denominator of that formula. And you just gave a very heartful, loving, realistic view of what balance looks like when you're a power couple. And for that, I honor you. I want to add one more thing here, which just yeah. sort of dawned on me is Ross said yes to being in a conversation with me and you on a platform that I created a, year, a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. That to me is an example of him not only being supportive, but being in service, wanting, so he, he gets my mission, my purpose, what I'm trying to create in the world. And he's a part of that yeah. journey. And he said yes to doing something like this and totally trusted that, okay, whatever we need to do is going to, going to serve on a higher level. And when I think back, like when we were in our struggles, like mm -hmm. I wouldn't have even been comfortable to ask that question because we were on our own orbits. We were not we were not working together. So I feel like mm -hmm. this is a perfect example of how you can come together. He knows who I am. He knows what I'm yeah. looking to do. I know who he is. I know what he's looking to do because we have those conversations. So that's the one thing I would just say is like you, the possibilities are endless. If you get in a dialogue and not make any assumptions around what you think the other person is thinking or feeling. Yeah, this is what edification looks like. Mm. he's edifying you but with active support and showing up fully for you thank you for edifying me you're welcome <laughs> i think i think it's just I, I like to think or hope this without sounding conceited that you know it's kind of an important message and i think well for what Jeannie and i have gone gone through i'm i'm always kind of obviously happy to help her but obviously happy to help other people and we've seen mm. friends of ours you know recently go through some struggles as well and i think from our experience we were able to help them as well so that's you know grat gratifying if uh if nothing nothing else and i think sort of gives you a little bit more hopefully wi wisdom and then hopefully as i say pass that down to our uh, our children as well or 
whoever whoever wants to listen. One of the big things for me when I was going through this was I started a men's group with two other guys. Hmm. And one of the things I think, I don't know if you really got it all or not quite so much, but what I got out of it was it was just, it got to the point where it's like, yeah, we, we don't actually need each other. But it took about three, four years yeah. to, 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 to do that because we we were three guys and i think this is one thing that i think guys struggle with generally i don't know whether it's a united states thing i think it's just guys in general mm-hmm. aren't always comfortable with being emotionally open to other yeah. guys you only get together you know we get together for events like watch, yeah. watching a game watching a match whereas this time we have this me and two other guys we kind of opened up and we you know we would you know discuss things very very openly you know mm-hmm. going from the physical intimacy issues or whatever to the emotional issues etc cetera, etc cetera. and that that was really such a uh important thing so i think for guys particularly if they could kind of somehow try and find a a male partner because that's yeah. one of the, that's one of the things that i missed when i came here i, I missed the, the friend actually get choked up Aww. um yeah i missed a friend of mine in england and um he was somebody that i had that relationship with and uh, I was kind of lucky to find these other two guys that, you know, we, we don't do it now, but um, that was a huge thing for me. So that's what I would advise guys to try and try and do, sort of have an um, open kind of intimate relationship with a, another guy as far as, you know, dialogue and discussion and, you know, talk about things rather than just the, the NFL draft or whatever. Yeah, no, I a thousand percent agree. And you're not wrong. It's not just a... Um, a U.S.-based thing across cultures. Typically, you know, for most cultures, men are and not share. The only emotion you get to share is when you're raging together. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that crisis and conflict intimacy comes up a lot where that's where men are allowed to openly bond um, across most cultures is if you're in a fight <laughs> or you're gearing up for one. But outside of that form of emotion, you're not supposed to share too much of it, which I think is horrible. And I know there's a couple of campaigns out. I can't think of the actress who's um, doing it right now, but there's a, a stamp that they're saying, let boys cry. And that's a, a big push now, like let them be raised, understanding that sharing your emotion can be a good thing, mm. especially when stirred and guided. So I appreciate and honor you uh, getting choked up and thinking about someone that you love, someone that's a friend, someone who was there for you, that you bonded with intimately in a platonic way, and you shared something that can't be replaced, even with your new friends, but can be built on top of. And that's a big thing, Ross. That's powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Mm, 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 mm. Well, you know, Jeannie probably saw me snapping my fingers when you said, we don't need each other. I was like, ah. Are you sure Ross hasn't heard uh, some of our private conversations, Jeannie? Because we talk about that all the time. The best marriages realize that you don't need each other. You want to want each other. And mm-hmm. that makes the difference in you being stagnant. And that description you used earlier about just kind of sticking with it and, and staying stale versus you creating a place of joy for each other is knowing you are dope all by yourself and you're better together. So I appreciate you. And those were all of my questions for the day. Nikita, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. What did I tell you? I was very clear from the beginning 
that what you were about to get was a first time. I hope that you not only got to tune in to the, you know, the love and the drama and the challenges of all that was going on with this amazing power couple, the Ross family, but you also took notes and hopefully took stock for yourself. How are you showing up in your marriage? How are you showing up in your readiness to get married if you're not there yet? How are you making room not only for your forever lover, but for yourself? so that you're not stuck in a cycle of wondering if you're going to be sitting on opposite ends of the couch in three or four years of your marriage, living like passing ships or mundane roommates that handle the business of everything that's happening in your life, but not actually enjoying the process of your relationship and creating intimacy. If you would like more information on what it looks like to be a power couple, how you can strengthen your power couple relationship, just make sure you go over to thinkpro.com and click the button so we can activate your joy. 